Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. We're going to go right out to the Realty One Group listener line because Ralph is on the line. How you doing, Ralph? Ralph, how you doing, brother? Hello? Hey, Ralph, how you doing, man? Uh, pretty good yourself. I'm doing good, thanks. Yeah, I was just calling in trying to see when they are um, going to still upgrade the inside of the the line and steal some a deep threat for a receiver. Um. Okay. So uh, definitely the offensive line. Um. You know the the, the deep threat. Uh. You know you're not satisfied with uh with the way the wide receiver room is con- currently uh, constructed. Are you there? I'm still here. You hear me? Yeah. Hello? Um. What, what? I guess my question to you is, uh, you know, you're not uh, you're not feeling where the wide receiver room is collectively right now for the uh, for the Raiders. No, I'm saying with the group that you have, you have Waller, you know, and the other receivers. You got from Green Bay, Devontae Adams, yep. Renfro. So you got like all kind of medium threat kind of receivers, so they don't stretch the defense. So you can allow them, you know, with cover shell, and it'll be all kind of underneath coverage. So you kind of they run a lot of mirror routes, so it's kind of hard to open up things for any of the other players. You know. Yeah, I I do believe that, um, and uh, we got to go. Thanks for the call, Ralph. I do I, I do think the fact that you have two players that you have to double team uh, in in whether it's Darren Waller or Devontae Adams is going to help mitigate that. I think Demarcus Robinson can also stretch a field a little bit. I'm with you. They don't have that speed demon, but I don't know with the way this thing is constructed. If they absolutely have to have uh, that element, uh, we're going to go back out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in our good friend, my colleague over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, Sam Gordon. Sam, uh, I know you've been spending some time down at the Strip and uh, checking out all the sights and sounds as we sit here on the eve of the draft. First of all, welcome to In the Huddle. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Uh, what's the vibe like uh, been down at uh, Draft Central uh, over on the Strip? The first and foremost, Benny, appreciate you having me, but it's, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, you can definitely feel um, the energy starting to pick up just as, as, as everything is coming to life here um, in Las Vegas down on the Strip, and, and it's going to only continue to build. I mean, this is such a unique event, right, the NFL Draft, and you got to love how they've been incorporating different cities around the NFL and, and really investing and promoting those cities and those markets, and that's what's going to happen uh, with Vegas on the grandest stage, so it's it's buzzing right now, right? And it, the volume is going to go up tomorrow, and it's going to be cranked all the way up there uh, on Thursday when the first round gets started, and Friday, and of course on Saturday. Um, just an awesome sports weekend here in Las Vegas. It's going to be a lot of traffic, uh, so if people are planning on getting down there, got to be really conscious about that and how to move around, make sure everybody's properly hydrated, dressed comfortable, because it's going to get hot and it's going to be long days out there. Uh, but but the vibes are great, Vinny. I mean, this is uh, the NFL draft was made for Las Vegas and Las Vegas was made for events like the NFL Draft. It's a per- perfect partnership um, and a really cool showcase opportunity for the city to a national audience. Well, to that point, uh, and I'm sure you're uh, you know, uh, um, in this category as well, but I'm getting inundated with, uh, with, with uh, emails asking, hey, could you come by you know, covering this event, that event? Uh, and it's just incredible how many parties are going on uh, in town, but nothing against Nashville or Cleveland or Philadelphia or uh, some of the cities that are, are in the running for future drafts. But when you get 
you know, invites to go check out the Rob Gronkowski party uh, here. I, th- <laughs> I think it's over at, um, where is that? I think he's over at the uh, Circa, I believe. I might be wrong on that. Uh, but I don't know if there's another market outside of maybe L.A. or New York where Gronkowski would be throwing a, a, a draft party. So it kind of talks and speaks to what you're talking about relative to Las Vegas hosting this event. Yeah, Vinny, and, and this look, no disrespect to, to Cleveland at all whatsoever. Great sports city, great tradition, we understand that. But, you know, being at the draft last year in Cleveland, it's cold, it's rainy, it's wet. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, there's a ton of – it's just – it wasn't – this is such a polar opposite. It's such a contrast when you talk about the entertainment options, um, the food, the housing, the hospitality, all these elements – uh, that are you know necessary to incorporate a large amount of traffic, the foot traffic that they're going to get. It's just it's a perfect it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect match. Now of course we have to see how everything goes. You know Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But provided uh, everything goes without a hitch or, or very few hitches, um, you know they, they, why why would this be a, a market moving forward? Just like like you said, when you talk about the entertainment options, you talk about everything that's available, um, not only for you know attendees and fans or whatnot, but for the league itself. It's a perfect setup, and you see leagues dipping into this market more and more at different events and all that. We have F1 coming, and it's, it's because it's, there's really an excellent setup. Um, any way you want to dice it up, there's great sports, there's great, you know, great entertainment options uh, to, 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 to market around those, and, of course, all the hotel space um, you can think of to accommodate the travelers. So it's, it's a perfect fit. It's a much different vibe. Um, already from the one I experienced last year in Cleveland. Right, exactly. And I want to get the correct information out there because the last guy I want mad at me is Rob Gronkowski. Uh, but that that party, uh, and it's called Gronk Beach, is Friday beginning at 12 p.m. Uh, over at the Encore Beach Club uh, at the Wynn uh, Hotel. And you're going to have um, the, the chain smokers are going to be there. It's hosted by Rob Gronkowski. If you're interested and it is open to the public, uh, you can go to gronkbeach.com and we'll offer Obviously, be covering the draft, but man, I would love to be a fly at the wall on the wall at Rob Kronkowski's Gronk Beach. I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming, Sam, we're gonna get some video from somebody on social media about that party. If you were to, go, I mean, if you were to pick a party that you wanted to go to, which one would you want to go to? It would have to be that one, right? <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, I think the vibes are gonna be immaculate. We're gonna, I mean, Gronkowski, Vegas, and, and the NFL draft it seems like a perfect. Uh, cocktail for, for a good time pun intended there Vinny so no that's that's gonna be awesome and there's just again so many different entertainment options parties social functions and just being in Vegas itself you know there's gonna be good vibes and unique with football fans from all around the country that's one of the coolest things about an event like this Vinny is just really you know it's a football festival that's what it is it's, it's three days where everybody is optimistic where optimism reigns supreme where all 32 fan bases you know have have something to cheer about have hope right and 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 to, 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 to enjoy that collectively um, in Vegas for Rob Gronkowski and everybody else that's going to be here, no, it's going to be fantastic. I agree. And the reality is nobody loses on draft weekend. Everyone wins to some extent, obviously, uh, by the pundits, uh, via the pundits. Some teams win more than others. But it's hard to lose uh, on, on draft weekend. And Really, we don't know who's won or lost until a year or so from now, or maybe maybe even longer uh, after a couple of seasons gets played. But that's what makes this event so fascinating. Uh, selling the hope, and then here this year, selling Las Vegas and and the Raiders being uh, kind of part of that, and and how it's going to look.
going to sound um, across the country as people tune in uh, to this draft here in Las Vegas. All right, Sam, so let's get it more localized uh, in terms of the home team, the Raiders. They're, as we sit here today, they pick number 86, uh, and that's in the third round. History has shown us that there's talent available, Hall of Fame caliber talent over the years, pick 86 and beyond. There's just countless stories of, of greatness uh, that can be found um, you know, uh, at that point in the draft and beyond. Not to say that that's what the Raiders are going to do. They obviously would, would be very fortunate if they did. But as we sit here today, a couple of days ahead of the draft and three days before the Raiders make their first pick, um, where do you think they need to turn uh, in this draft and um, what position would you target if you were uh, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels? Yeah, Vinny. Well, I think, you know, for the Raiders, right, not having the first second round pick, it's not the end of the world given the upgrades that they were able to make on their roster. Now, now, given that you've added talent at premium positions and you bring back um, the bulk, you know, a majority of the contributors that fueled a 10 and 7 season and an eventual playoff run. Did we just lose Sam Gordon as he was about ready to make a fantastic point? Sam, are you still there? Despite the upgrades, um, all around the football field. Still- uh oh, uh, Sam, if you can hear me, uh, call back, or we'll call you. Uh, you're breaking up there. Uh, obviously, he's hanging out with Rob Gronkowski as we speak uh, at some nightclub uh, because the phone is not working. But hopefully, we'll be able to get Sam back uh, on. And you know, to his point. You know, uh, the Raiders obviously and gladly traded their first and second round pick to go get Devontae Adams. I think that it just makes them um, a spectacular, potentially, offense. And when you combine that with the fact that they were able to go sign a Chandler Jones and pair him up uh, with uh, Max Crosby on the other side of the football field, you have these two tandems now of Crosby and Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller, and of course we can't forget about Hunter Renfro in that regard. So they've already done a lot of work on this roster, uh, and now it's filling some needs and, and creating depth uh, and trying to draft the best players available. But we got Sam back on here. Uh, go ahead and continue on the point you were making. Yeah, I just think right now, as, as things currently stand, that's that's one area that hasn't been, been really addressed during the offseason. Right, Vinny, is the offensive line now. Could you run things back with, with the kind of the group that you had last year and feel, hey, look, are you okay? You can make the playoffs? Sure. But clearly, based on the moves that this team made during the offseason and the chips they pushed towards the table, going to get Devontae Adams um, and going to get Chandler Jones and the trades, some of the trades they made, Rocky Yassin addressing different positions of need um, throughout the course of the offseason, you're not just trying to make the playoffs anymore. So with that said, uh, if, if they can find somebody that they can, that, that they can believe can be a starter or at least compete for, for starting uh, reps towards the end of the season or some point make a push to be uh, a part of that offensive line, then, yeah, I, th- I think that's where they go. I think that is where the priority um, should be. But, but we've heard, you know, we heard last week, Vinny, Dave Ziegler say, you know, he's, he's the best player available, right? And if that's in a position where they're already deep, um, then so be it. It just may, I mean, I think it would benefit them at this point in time um, to go offensive line, uh, create some competition, create some depth, and then be able to have another player to establish the best five-man unit. 
We're talking to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, he does fantastic work, and if you haven't picked up uh, the draft preview that we did, uh, Sam is featured prominently with some stories, as are uh, Adam Hill. I've got a couple stories in there, uh, but it's a fantastic read. I highly urge uh, people to go get a copy of it, whether you go online to check it out uh, or, or get the paper, the actual physical paper. Uh, and Sam can be followed at by Sam Gordon um, over on uh, Twitter. Sam, sticking with the offensive line, you mentioned that they have haven't really uh, taken a deep dive into the offensive line thus far in the offseason. What do you think that tells us? Um, and maybe um, a, a fresh set of eyes looking at what is in place on that offensive line from Colton Miller to John Simpson to Andre James, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, Alex Leatherwood and Brandon Parker and some of the reserves that they have. Does it, does it tell us that maybe they're looking at this a little bit differently than maybe everybody else? Oh, 100%. It, it definitely does. It definitely, at the very least, tells me that they, they believe that this new coaching staff, right, with Josh McDaniels all the way on down, new offensive line coach, new position coaches for the most part, they believe that, um, that this new regime can get this offensive line in order, that this new offensive line coach, that these, this new staff can get better play and maybe develop some of the young players. You know, Col- Colton Miller, I think, at, you know, going to be 27 this year, obviously approaching – his prime, but John Simpson just finished year two, and Alex Leatherwood, obviously a rookie, right? It's not unreasonable to think that with some proper coaching and development and a strong offseason that those young players can continue to ascend and, and get better, right? That's not, that's not ridiculous. Um, it's not a ridiculous prognosis. That should be what would happen, and that's what you would expect to happen. So it, it definitely shows me um, that there is some confidence there, uh, that there's some confidence that they can develop this unit a little better and get the young players to play better and develop some cohesion. And it also makes me think that, hey, look, this is, it's only April. There's still a lot of things that happen between now and between week one, right? Between, between kick, uh, when, when the ball is uh, kicked off week one. Who knows who's available? What veterans may emerge? If there's a trade that, that opens itself up, if somebody becomes available late in camp because of a contract dispute, um, you're, you're, you're leaving those options open, right? And, and, and while still affirming and sending the message to your young guys that you believe in them, so, yeah, we'll see. I, again, I'm still uh, of the mindset that more depth there would not be a problem, would be something that you want to add. But it, it would appear that, right, like this, this new regime is optimistic about what they have. And, again, there are young players that there's reason to think that they would grow and get better. You know, we talked about this on the podcast today, uh, Vegas Nation First and Ten. Um, we talked about cornerback and how that's kind of a sneaky big position of need when you look at – where the roster is right now, a lot of youth, a lot of potential, but a bunch of guys, including all the key players, uh, when you're talking about the presumed starters and Trayvon Mullen and Rocky Yassin and Anthony Averett, uh, one of the key reserves, all of them are playing on one-year contracts. So we're not quite sure what this room is going to look like next year, depending on whether players play themselves into bigger contracts and maybe one of those guys has to leave for you know greener pastures money-wise, uh, or they don't, and the Raiders are looking at having to replace whether it's one or two cornerbacks this time next year. Cornerback is also a big need, and I want to throw something out uh, to you. Uh, we keep hearing that James Bradbury, the cornerback from the New York Giants, is on the trade block, and I, I have a feeling that this is a this is a deal that could happen during trade weekend or very shortly after. Um, is that somebody that the Raiders theoretically could be involved in or should be involved in? Yeah, I mean, I think so, right? I, I think having a, a veteran, uh, you know, a veteran presence um, in that unit with James Bradbury. Look, he's got a, he's been there and done that. He's a productive player um, that's played with Patrick Graham that understands his schemes, that's been productive 
uh, at a high level, and that would add just a little bit more uh, experience to, to that to the secondary. It's still not uh, exactly a veteran secondary, like you said. Many a couple of these guys playing for contracts um, in those kind of situations, but the fact that you know you're talking about a couple of starters haven't got their second NFL contract yet shows that there still is a lot of youth there. So yes. Uh, if you can add a corner, you know, even if it's for down the road, even if it's you're thinking, you know, for, for next year, two years from now, um, that's not a bad option either. You can never have enough depth there. Look at what, what, what Nate Hobbs was able to contribute um, in the fifth round last year, playing, of course, primarily in the slot, but showcasing that he can play um, outside too. And maybe he's somebody long-term that you're able to develop. But ideally, right, Vinny, if, if, it's, if the Raiders had it their way, both those guys on the perimeter would be great because that's what they want. They want to win. And if both those guys are great, like you said, they're going to earn big paydays, and you can't afford everybody. That's just the nature of the business. So that's definitely a position, an area where they could use depth, um, not only for this season because you never know what's going to happen. And you know, with injuries, that was a position where guys got banged up last year, um, but, but to develop for the future as well because you, you never know. It's a year-to-year league, and you want young players that you're able to develop, even though you're already kind of young in the secondary as it is. All right, I'm going to throw a uh, scenario out there proposed by G-Men HQ over on Fansided, and I thought it was a reasonable um, uh, facsimile of what a deal could look like for James Bradbury. The Raiders get James Bradbury and the Giants' 2022 fourth pick, fourth round pick, number 112 overall. The Giants would get the Raiders' third round pick this year, number 86 overall, and their fifth round pick in 2023. Is that a deal? that Sam Gordon or the Raiders would be interested in, should be interested in? Uh, without question. I mean, if you're essentially drafting a you know starting-level corner with your third-round pick that's a veteran that can play right now, right away, um, and, you're up, and you, you know, you're moving up next year, yeah, for sure. Uh, that's, that's an absolute no-brainer. I, I think it's great to, to draft and to develop young players. Obviously, you want to do that, and there's, and there's nothing wrong with having youth as so long as it's continuing to develop. But veterans win in this league, too, and guys that you can plug in and play right away know that he's a veteran, he, he has an understanding of the scheme, of the system, has been productive, and is still only 28 years old, not an old vet, uh, per se. If you can acquire somebody of that caliber um, in the third round, and again, it's not, you're not necessarily saying he's changing life, but a veteran player that would add to that dynamic and give you depth uh, at that position, if you can get it for a third-round pick, that seems like it's, it's, it's market value for the Giants. Um, you're able to kind of move on and continue to build out. I mean, they're clearly in the midst of some sort of rebuild uh, with under a new new coach, seeing what you have with Daniel Jones as they evaluate him going into his fourth year. Then you, you're able to add um, an asset and maybe get a player to accelerate your rebuild. So to me, that feels like a fair trade on both sides, and, and a proven player um, over an unproven rookie is, is something that I tend to value in trades most of the time. Yeah, and here's the thing. Uh, this is, uh, you, you know, when you look at the, the Raiders' uh, uh, roster and defense and the fact that they should be able to get uh, pressure on the quarterback with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and everybody else uh, on that front uh, four, Boy, I'll tell you what, if you can back that up with a guy like James Bradbury who has played in Patrick Graham's system and has a level, uh, I, I think it would help him. Like, you're talking about a guy coming off a season where there really wasn't much pass rush uh, in, yep. in New York. You put him on a team with a pass rush, it just seems like a pretty darn uh, good fit. All right, Sam Gordon, uh, the last question for you before we let you get out of here. Um do the Raiders stay at number 86? And if so, just give me a position. Yeah, I, I think ultimately they stay. Um, that's not a bad spot to be in. Maybe you know, maybe there's somebody that really takes a steep tumble and you move up. 
you know, a few slots or a few picks. But I don't think it's necessarily worth um, the capital, the future capital moving forward to, to go up, a, you know, a handful of slots for a player when the roster is kind of where it is. I, I think ultimately they do go um, offensive line, at least bring somebody in for some competition. Um, but, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. That, Dave, Dave Ziegler was very careful to leave that door open um, at his press conference last week, and it makes me think that, hey, if somebody they really like falls, you know, takes a tumble, that it would be something that they'd at least worth, you know, at least worth exploring. But I think ultimately they stay pat and take an offensive lineman. All right, Sam Gordon. And if you're wondering why uh, Demond Cotton is quiet right now, your hometown <laughs> Minnesota Timberwolves are winning 44-39 or beating uh, the the or Demond's Memphis Grizzlies 44-39. The look that Demond has right now, he told me that he wasn't nervous, but. There's anxiety all over his face, no matter how he tries to play it off. I know you're a Laker fan, but you know the Minnesota Timber, the Minnesota in you probably would like to see the Timberwolves advance. Am I right or wrong? Oh, absolutely, Vinny. I've been I've been glued into the series uh, since it started. Every game, every minute, every dribble. Um, I got it all right now, and, and Demond and I, uh, we can resume our friendship after the series. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to win when you're playing five against eight. That's all I'm saying. Oh, see, the excuses oh, have started. Here we go. Here we go. Exactly. <laughs> that is just, he went there and is already, go- <laughs> he told me that they were going to win in six games, but now he's reverting back to they're playing the, and they're home right now. They're, there's no reason they should be playing the referees, but it's all good. We'll, it's, I'm fascinated by that series, Sam, because I really, I think these are two young, really good up and coming teams, and I want to see who makes the adjustments and who takes the next step this year. I think both of them are teams that are going to be contended with uh, in the future. Appreciate the, uh, the insight and the knowledge as usual, Sam. Take care of yourself and enjoy the game tonight. I appreciate it, Vinny. Thanks for having me. Wolves and Six. Talk soon. Oh, Lord have mercy. You, if you could see the look on DeMond's face right now. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Monster. Brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. And it's all love between friends. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I'm just reading about this Gronk party. I, I just want to call in sick, I think, Damon. I might have to call in sick on Friday night. Actually, it's only, now that I look at it, it's only from 12 to 7. Maybe just swing by there early in the day to just try to get my uh, Gronk I don't on. know. I mean, you know, 12 I'm, to I'm 7, kidding. how much trouble can you get into? Oh, in my there? goodness gracious. You could well, get no, if it's going to be at Circa. I mean, no, 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 it's at the Win. Oh, the Win the the Beach Club. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, trouble to get into. By the way, uh, ESPN's having a party over at the Flamingo. Uh, they're a little beach party or uh, pool party that they're having at the Flamingo. I got married at the Flamingo Hotel. Here's how ironic things are and how crazy life works out. You know, when my wife and I were planning our wedding, we wanted to do a destination wedding, um, but we wanted to make it somewhere that was affordable for all our friends and whatnot. I never gave Vegas much of a thought at all ever. Yeah, I'd come out here every once in a while to check out the strip. It wasn't my vibe. It wasn't really what I was, you know, I like cities that have history and, you know, um, like like older cities, Philadelphia, New York, you know, those types of cities. So I, it was never my cup of tea necessarily, Las Vegas. But for whatever reason, we that's where we got married. It was a great 
wedding and, and uh, you know, uh, all our friends were there. It turned out to be great. And for whatever reason, it was the precursor to what ultimately happened uh, as we ended up moving here. So uh, crazy, crazy, crazy how things work out. So the Flamingo Hotel, ESPN uh, is having a, uh, a little bit of an invite party uh, over there. And uh, I'm sure... All the venues, all the locations here in Las Vegas have something planned, and why not? It's the NFL draft. There's going to be hundreds of thousands of people flooding into town. I can't wait. Oh, Vinny, first off, before I get started on anything next, I love how you're just throwing out the flex that, you know, you're. I don't know anything about these parties, but I think that you're flexing a little bit that you've been invited to these parties. or at As least, a media member, Nah, Vinny's like, yo, I'm getting invited. Uh, Vinny's know, what, too busy, too I, cool for school. He's got say? everything going. But, Vinny, I've got the questions for you All now. right. As we play, does it stand or is it overturned? Does Vinny, the call stand or is it overturned? Stand? What you turned. Yes. All right, Vinny. Going in, we were talking about this a little bit before with Brad Spielberger about who's going to be the number one pick because you're saying the guys in the desert that the odds have changed. I thought Aiden Hutchinson was going to be the number one pick almost definitively. Even PFF did a whole series about mm -hmm. him. Yep. It was just called Hutch. And I was just like, hey, if they're doing a full series about this guy, you don't get that kind of treatment if you're not the surefire number one pick. But Trayvon Walker out of Georgia is making the running, and he is looking like he is going to be the favorite to be the number one pick. So, Vinny, my question to you, is Trayvon Walker going to be the number one overall pick in the draft? Does the call stand? I'm going to say the call stands, and I'm surprised to say that, but, you know, here's the thing, Devon. The, the wise guys usually know what's up. When they start getting an inkling that something's going to happen, it's reflected in the odds and, and whatnot. And, you know, here's the other thing. Go watch the tape. The, the tape doesn't lie. This dude is a really, really, really good football player. And when you look at that defense, that Georgia defense, it was so good that sometimes I think we underrated guys because it was just so good in your – you're comparing guys to guys that are just like NFL players flat out. Um, but when you just zero in on uh, Trayvon Walker, this dude is a hell of a football player. And that's not taking anything away from Aiden Hutchinson. I think he's going to be fantastic himself. But the way things are swinging and where it's headed, especially here uh, with you know the, the people that – put the odds on it, I think Trayvon Walker is going to be the first pick overall, so the call stands. Alright, Vinny, and coming up next, we're going to keep it still a little draft-centric here. Malik Willis, he has been touted a little bit of a smaller school coming out of Liberty University, but I do think that he performed the best at the NFL Combine, he has a little bit of the only knock that I could think of is that he is a little bit on the shorter side, six foot even. And we know the knock on shorter quarterbacks that can't see over the middle of the field. But Vinny, does the call stand that Malik Willis will be the first quarterback taken in this draft? Damon, you mentioned the height, um, but we've seen so many times before now uh, in recent history where height doesn't necessarily determine greatness and I always tell the story about Pete Carroll when he you know his his general manager John Snyder said hey I need you to look at this quarterback prospect uh, that we're thinking about drafting um so I so I need you to look at the film okay great hey just word of uh warning he's not six foot he's about five foot eleven and Pete Carroll's like I was like oh my goodness wow okay all right I'll still take a look at the tape and he said Vinny 
I defy anyone to watch film of Russell Wilson at Wisconsin and 30 seconds into it, just lose sight of the fact and care that he was not six foot. The guy was a playmaker. So when I look at Malik Willis, um, I see a guy that has all the upside in the world, everything that you need in terms of the arm strength, the athletic ability, the legs, the mind, all of that. And I think, so forget about the height. I think it's more, can a guy that played at Liberty transfer to the NFL? And I think that he can. It might take a year or two uh, before he fully hits his stride. But I'm with Brad Spielberger on this. Um, When you talk about quarterbacks in this draft, there's no Trevor Lawrence. There's no uh, Justin Herbert. There's no Joe Burrow. There's just nobody that is just the hands-down best quarterback, just can't-miss prospect. So if you are going to add a quarterback, add the guy with the highest ceiling, and I think that's Malik Willis. That's not to take anything away from the other quarterback prospects. Uh, but I want the highest ceiling possible, and to me, that's Malik Willis. Uh, Malik Willis, and for that reason, the call stands. Here, the ruling on the field stands. All right, Vinny. Now we're going to move over to the NBA because, as you've seen, Kevin Durant has been taken. He's been the one taking all of the arrows for this Brooklyn Nets team on social media, going back and forth with the NBA on TNT crew. But I don't think Kevin Durant deserves any slander because I think more of the blame should be placed on the head coach, Steve Nash. So, Vinny, will Steve Nash, is Steve Nash going to be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets next season? Does does the call stand that he is? That he is the coach next year. He's going to be the head coach uh, of the Brooklyn Nets. And I'll tell you why. Kevin Durant has his back. Kevin Durant wants... Um, him back as the head coach. So uh, he's going to be the uh, head coach uh, moving forward. And here's the thing. This is why, um, you know, I I agree with you. I don't think that Kevin Durant deserves any slander uh, here. He had to carry the entire load this year. Kyrie Irving was an enigma, as he always seems to be. Uh, So he was flighty. He was sometimes there, sometimes wasn't, all of that. It never was able to come together. Guess who understands that more than anybody else? Kevin Durant, he knows what's up with this team, and he knows that it wasn't a coaching issue. It was a cohesive type of a situation. And then they made a trade midway through trading James Harden for Ben Simmons, who never played for them. None of that is the fault of the coach. I think what Kevin Durant is looking at right now is saying, just give us a year now, because presumably Ben Simmons will be healthy to start training camp next year. If he is, um, you know, I think obviously the Nets are going to be better off for it. Kyrie Irving with no more having to worry about the vaccination and all that will be on hand. Kevin Durant, a well-rested, by the way, Kevin Durant. Whatever changes they make in and around the team, I think Kevin Durant understands that Steve Nash wasn't the problem. The problem was a whole bunch of situations and factors that flew in the face of the Nets this year. So to me... No, that call is overturned. I think you were saying, was he getting fired? If, if you're saying, does he get fired? That's overturned. If you're saying, does he remain as the head coach? That call stands. <laughs> Hold on. I had it in the order there, and then you, you threw a curveball at me. Here, the ruling on the field stands. <laughs> All right, yes, because that's exactly what I was asking you. Does he remain yeah, I think the so. head coach I think so. there in Brooklyn? All right, Vinny. I, you know what? Let's stay on that a little bit longer because I do want to ask. Yeah. Do you think that they bring back Ben Simmons? Because you say, like, if they're healthy, 
Do you not try to offload him in the in the offseason? I know you already I, traded for him, but maybe see if you can get anything for him. I I, I think um, well, you would be selling. You would be you would be trading him at his lowest 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 um, possible uh, marketability. So. Uh, you're not going to get much for him. Now, unless, you know, if you're, how ironic would this be? If, you know, he is a clutch client, right? So uh, he's he's part of that LeBron, LeBron group. What if what if the Lakers who, who want to uh, offload Russell Westbrook offer him for Ben Simmons and all of a sudden you have a Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant reunion? In, yeah, that's not going to happen, right? Uh, so I, I think that... I don't think you're going to be able to get much for Ben Simmons right now, or at least not a um, you know justifiable return for trading him. So I think the best bet is bring it back, get him on the floor, and let's see what it looks like and see, and see what the possibilities are with Ben Simmons. And at the very least, he can be a healthy, we'll see, productive player. If it works, great. You don't have to make any moves. If it doesn't, at least, at the very least, you're showing the world a healthy, viable Ben Simmons, and maybe just by that alone would increase his uh, uh, trade value. So I think you hold on to Ben Simmons for right now. And you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. The draft is here in Las Vegas. It's basically, um, I mean, it's it's already arrived. Uh, All the TV crews are, are out here. Um, you've got the strip coming to life. You've got all the activation points of the draft over at the link, uh, over at the, uh, the Caesars Palace forums. Everything is built. Everything's in place for the biggest party that you're, you can imagine, um, you know, happening here in Las Vegas, the NFL draft. It's really turned into a full week of events. You know, you've got all the a bunch of players are going to be available tomorrow. You've got legends of the game that are going to be in and around town, uh, signing autographs, meet, meeting with fans. Uh, it's why the NFL is so, you know, smart and savvy in how they've turned a draft into a um, almost like a like a traveling circus. And it used to be in New York, and I have to say, I I I, I that was a bucket list of mine. And I was able to get out to the draft um, at Radio City Music Hall uh, and got a chance to check all of that out. But it was always in New York. And I think the NFL finally realized, like, hmm, why are we just limiting ourselves to New York? This is something that can travel. This is something that can go from city to city to bring this great event to various cities and multiple cities uh, and not just one city. And as it's, it's, it's really turned into this extravaganza that goes from city to city. And I've seen it in Chicago, uh, seen it in New York, seen it um, in Dallas, went to the Dallas uh, draft. And now it's going to be in my backyard now um, here in Las Vegas. And I think Las Vegas is going to set a whole new precedent. But when we're looking at the draft and specifically as it relates uh, to the uh, Raiders, obviously it's, it's easy to look at that offensive line. Um, as a position of need, the Raiders 
just didn't take a deep dive into the offensive line during free agency other than signing Alex Bars, kind of a jack-of-all-trades offensive line and re-signing, believe it or not, Brandon Parker uh, for $3.5 million. He was the right tackle for the majority of last year, but hasn't really distinguished himself as a bona fide, reliable, you know what you're going to get, a high level of play from Brandon Parker uh, during his time with the Raiders. However, I think the Raiders looked at or are looking at him as like, hey, if you can't get anybody else, if the draft doesn't yield a better option or uh, post-draft free agency doesn't yield a better option, at least they know what they have being able to look at tape of Brandon Parker. They know what they have in him. and he, he, he Whether you agree that he could play at a high level or an average level or not, you at least know what you're kind of getting from Brandon Parker. And for, whatever, for, for that reason, the Raiders are satisfied enough by re-signing him. Now, I think ideally what Brandon Parker profiles at is a swing tackle. He's a guy that if somebody gets hurt, you can feel comfortable, uh, whether it's in the middle of a game or to start a couple of games, that Brandon Parker is going to give you serviceable relief as the swing tackle, and those are important players on a, on a roster. I just don't think that he's the guy that you want to roll out there game in and game out. Now, the caveat to all of that is that maybe the right tackle is Alex Leatherwood. Maybe um, under, as Sam Gordon talked about earlier, a new, a new excuse me, a new group of uh, offensive coaches, starting with Josh McDaniels and the offensive line coach, a new system, a, a new scheme, Alex Leatherwood being a year older uh, with some experience under his belt. Remember, Alex Leatherwood played every basically every snap last year. So I'm not saying that he played it at a high level, but as a first-year player, Simply getting out there, the amount of time that he did play has got to stand for something and count for something. And so history has shown us that guys get better. They just get more comfortable and they get better. If Alex Leatherwood is part of that caliber of player or, or um, you know, part of that history moving forward, then then maybe he is the right tackle. But if not, and he stays at right guard... I don't think you can go into next year just counting on Brandon Parker to give you a high level of play. So where does that right tackle, if it's not going to be Alex Leatherwood, who is it and where do they get get that player, whether it's in the draft or post-draft free agency? The other position we've been talking about this is is cornerback. Um, Anthony Averett, Trayvon Mullen, Rock Yassin. Guess what? They're all on one-year contracts. So somewhere, somehow... Um, you know, I, I guess ideally the presumed starters, Trayvon Mullen and Rocky Yassin, turn in great years and they're both um, in position to be re-signed by the Raiders next year. But it could work a bunch of different ways. What if what, uh, what if they both play so well that they both earn big paydays next year and because of the way the salary cap works and how much money you can devote to one particular position room, maybe the Raiders are in a position where they have to say goodbye to one of those players. So for that reason, you would want to be able to have a young player in the system ready to take over if that scenario was to unfold. It could be that both players don't distinguish themselves. I don't think that that's going to happen necessarily, but you have to plan for it. What if by this time next year or, or at the end of next season, 
neither Trayvon Mullen or Rocky Yassin has shown to be capable, viable, starting caliber uh, cornerbacks. And they have to replace both of them. It's all the more reason to bring in some young players at that position. So that's a position that I look at and you have to be, you have to plan for any mul- uh, multiple scenarios uh, at cornerback, whether guys price themselves out of being here or nobody distinguishes themselves and you have to replace them. So keep an eye on cornerback, um, you know, moving forward in the draft again, whether it's trading for a Bradbury from the New York giants, I kind of, I mean, I look at that trade proposal over on fan sided this year's third round pick next year's fourth round pick getting back James Bradbury from the New York giants and, and the, the giants fourth round pick this year, because to put this in perspective, the Giants, just to be able to sign their um, rookie class, they've got to create the necessary cap to be able to do that. And James Bradbury is a guy that, you know, because I think he's making about $13 million next year, that's an easy place to turn to create the kind of cap space that you're going to need just to be able to sign your draft class. So um, I think that he's probably one way or another going to get traded. Should the Raiders be interested? Are the Raiders interested? I mean, he's a guy that played under Patrick Graham that, you know, he knows the system. He's shown that he could play at a pretty darned high level. And I think, I truly believe that if you put him in this system, he has a chance to improve and get back to where he was a couple of years ago, because now he's playing behind a fierce pass rush that's only stands to help the guys behind him now Rocky Asin and Trayvon Mullen can argue yeah but we're in that same exact category put us behind that pass rush and watch us excel and I am curious um to see where Trayvon Mullen is I mean if he's healthy and it looks by all by all accounts he's 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 if he isn't already, he's headed in that uh, direction after just a bad luck season last year with a foot injury. I mean, he's a guy that played reasonably well and has played reasonably well when he's been out there. Is this the year that he turns the corner? Is this the year Rocky Yassin establishes himself as a bona fide um, you know, cornerback? Here's the thing that I like about that position room, even uh, in spite of the fact that um, you know, there could be some uncertainty after this year because of it, but you're going to get players from Anthony uh, Averett to Trayvon Mullen to Rocky Asin going into the last year of their contracts. And in Anthony's case, um, you know, somebody that signed a one year contract. I mean, who's more highly motivated than that room? Because there's personal um, finances at stake here, there's futures at stake here. These guys want to make their mark in the NFL. They want to earn that second contract. So you're probably going to get the best versions, provided they stay healthy, of all of those players. And maybe that creates something pretty darn special. Um, but I don't know. If I'm the Raiders, at some point, whether it's trading for uh, a Bradbury or drafting a cornerback, you have to bring somebody in that's going to be able to pro- provide some coverage, maybe needed coverage at the end of this year. want to say thanks to Brad Spielberger from the Pro, Fo- Pro Football Focus, Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, uh, Damon Cotton for uh, multitasking 
uh, here today uh, at uh, at the studios. He was uh, juggling uh, a lot of different things uh, while we were while he was putting together a great show. So I appreciate uh, the effort from him. We'll check you out tomorrow, four to six p.m. in the huddle. Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl will join us and shed some light on players that the Raiders might be targeting in that third round and beyond. We'll check you guys out tomorrow.